Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week... Red Wall! <laughs> so this one's gonna be interesting. Uh, this is our unofficial first ever uh, Thanksgiving Day episode. I guess it would be. Because the next day is Canadian Thanksgiving. Yay! Well, then we've definitely had Thanksgiving days before we just didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Because Canadian Thanksgiving is not a big deal. Yeah. I have, literally, I have to be reminded every year that it's happening. Yeah. My, my, par- my parents do make a, a, like, not a huge deal, but enough of a deal. They're like, you're coming over for Thanksgiving, right? You already agreed to it. I'm like, did I? What day is that? Do I have anything else planned? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's an excuse for me to go over to Manitoba to hang out with family. So, okay. And then on top of that, I eat a whole bunch of pumpkin pie. Sometimes my cousin from BC comes out because she has her birthday usually that week. So Nice. Instead of cake, we get pumpkin pie. There you go. I don't like pumpkin pie, but I'm not involved, so my opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) I will say this. I honestly prefer pie to cake. So Fair enough. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and also, like, the other reason why Thanksgiving isn't a big deal up here in Canada is because we don't have a good bit of propaganda about it. This is also true. (laughs) Technically, it's to honor the establishment of one of the first English colonies in Canada by Martin Frobisher back in the 1500s, but nobody really gives a crap about that. And it's more to do with um, being further north means shorter growing seasons. So by now, the crop should be coming off, if not completely off. I think it's just to confuse Americans. That too. But it doesn't help me, because then I'll be in November, and I'll be like, are you free this day? And people will go, no, it's Thanksgiving. And I'll say, didn't that already happen? <laughs> and then, they'll, then they're like, oh, you're Canadian. <laughs> you fucking weirdo with your October harvest festivals. <laughs> Look, it's more appropriate than when you guys do it in November, so. Anyway, Redwall. Which is actually very British. (laughs) So, for those of you who don't know, I don't know how, probably a bunch of babies, um, Redwall is a series of children's novels by the late British writer Brian Jacques, published between 1986 and 2011. Uh, It is also the title of the first book published in the series, which is chronologically, I want to say, the ninth book. Yeah, uh, this is a very episodic series. So anyway, uh, Redwall is the name of the Abbey that's featured in the book and is the name of an animated TV series based on three of the novels, uh, Redwall, Mad Mayo, and Martin the Warrior, which uh, first aired in 1999 on... Uh, PBS down in the States, and I want to say it was Teletoon up here in Canada. Yep. Yeah. These books are about anthropomorphic animals living in Redwall Abbey and the surrounding countryside of Mossflower uh, Wood, and just dealing with their day-to-day lives, and then frequently being besieged by vermin, who are usually uh, bad mice, uh, rats, weasels, and foxes. Yep. And the series is super episodic. 
which is why there's like a publication order and a chronological order. And even then the chronology is a bit nebulous because they refer to seasons, but seasons is never really defined. Is it like a Game of Thrones thing where like the seasons last several years or? I don't know because we're dealing with very small woodland animals who have very short lives. So what they experience as time might be very different from what we humans experience, but humans don't really exist in this world. Do they have the same lifespan as a normal animal or do they get to live a bit longer because they're <laughs> they're Christian animals in the woods? I don't know. Or are they Christian? I, I know they have an I, abbey. Uh, it's hard to tell what sort of religion they are. It seems to be more like... I did a big binge back in the spring of the series and like... Or like the TV series and religion didn't really come up a whole bunch in it. And... It, when it did, it felt like more like folk Catholicism from the Middle Ages. Well, and you know what? That makes sense. It, it's easier to say this is a peaceful community surrounding an abbey than this is a peaceful kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like these communities, like there are lordships and all that, but like they're very small little fiefdoms. And it seems like Brian Jacques actually edges more toward like anarchism. <laughs> In a way, <laughs> like, let me tell you about the communist anarchist shrews. <laughs> <laughs> they vote on everything. It is delightful. <laughs> you give Redwall to the babies, and then when they're a bit older, that's when you introduce, like, Bakunin and Proudhon to them. But yeah, uh, there are fantasy elements, like there's uh, magic, there's people who are who claim to be seers. Um, but like, it's, it's still a very low magic. Yeah, it's a low magic, it, um, a very soft magic system of it kind of just happens, and there's not really any set rules. Yeah. Which works in a series like this. Yeah, it's because it's very much the... This isn't Tolkien high fantasy. This is medieval England. You know, sometimes people are touched and they have abilities. Yes. They're, they're kenning folk. Yeah. So, like, as I said, like, if religion enters into this, it's a very folk Christian, like, there's not so much a god. It's like, Martin is like a folk saint, in a way. Like, more how people, how, like, a regular person would have treated someone like, say, oh, St. Winifred than how, like, higher levels of government and the state would have treated religion. So I was thinking, hey, let's just reboot this and, you know, add some more seasons adapting the other books in the series. And then I learned it's already getting a reboot. Two, actually. It's getting an animated movie and an animated Netflix series. Yep. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the animated Netflix series seems really neat because it's being headed by Patrick Mahale, uh, who created Over the Garden Wall. And I'm like, oh, that that's, that's exactly what we need. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> what do I do for this episode? All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? <laughs> so, Tanner, I know that you like a puppet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like something along the lines of say the dark crystal series yeah yeah and then like 
when in universe when say a story is being told like about Luke the warrior or something then maybe they do like shadow puppets so it's puppets Ooh. doing puppets that that would be really nice yeah aside from format of redwall but puppets i was also considering okay like which books could be adapted into say like a 10 episode series because there are 22 books yes in the series so i i don't know which books but i'm pretty sure we can just nudge some of them off because they're very much like side 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 stories that are just Mm -hmm. taking place in the same world and not necessarily about any continuing plot yeah like there's only four well tv tropes says that there's about four that have direct sequels um I would say there's more like eight that have through lines. So Redwall and Madame Mayo are a duology. Uh, Redwall is about Matthias. Madame Mayo is about Matthias' son, Madame Mayo. Yeah. Uh, there's Mariel of Redwall followed by the Bellmaker, which is like the continuing adventures of Mariel. Uh, there's Martin the Warrior and Mossflower. And then there's, I would say, about three books. Uh, Lord Barktree, The Outcast of Redwall, and uh, Selimanstron that are about like the saga of badgers. Okay. Ruling the fortress of Selimanstron. And uh, at the end of Selimanstron, one, one of the main characters, she winds up becoming an abbess of Redwall. So, do we want to start with Martin the Warrior and Mossflower and then do, like, a flash-forward to Marielle? Because I was thinking of doing it, like, how PBS had done it, where it was Martin, it was uh, uh, Redwall, Matameo, then Martin the Warrior. Okay, well, see, I'm just thinking because there seem to be multiple distinct time periods of these main stories. yeah. Like, you got the the, Mar- the Martin era, the Muriel era, and the Matthias era, because Matthias is the main character in Redwall. Yeah. But I guess we could do it, like, almost like an anthology series, in the sense that one, maybe if we make it, like, an 18-episode season. Okay. Where the first nine episodes are Redwall, and the next nine episodes are Matt and May. Oh, maybe not that, because those are also in distinct time periods, because he has it. Like, Matt and Mayo is, like, a, a teen, basically, in his own book, right? A tween. Or Matthias, yeah. Matthias is pretty young. Yeah. And then Matt and Mayo already takes place several years after, because, like, I've reproduced. Here is my spoiled child. (laughs) He's going to learn some lessons. Well, we rescue you from, uh... Fuck, it wasn't Clooney. Yeah, it was the Fox character. One One of the bad guys was voiced by, um... Tim Curry? By Tim Curry, yes. Like, I like the idea of having uh, Redwall and Mad Mayo take place first and then go back to Martin and Mossflower to, to establish kind of like the legend of Martin the Warrior and then show what actually happened. Slagar the Cruel was the nasty fox from Mad Mayo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. And Mad Mayo was voiced by Michael Cedar. that's Derek from life with Derek oh wow (laughs) yeah so how I ordered it was Redwall Man Mayo Mariel and then the Bellmaker 
uh, and then Martin the Warrior, Moss Flower, and then getting into uh, the Badger stuff with the later seasons. Okay. Yeah, I think... Yeah, we might as well just keep the like kind of semi-anachronic order going. Yeah. So it would almost be an anthology. Yeah, kind of sort of an anthology, but like you have clusters of seasons. Yeah. Well, then may- maybe we could break it up a little bit. Like, what if we did Redwall, and then we did Martin, and then we did Marielle, and then we came back to Matt and Mayo, and da-da-da-da, kind of rotate through these time periods. Yeah. And then the other stuff, it's way more loosely associated like uh the pearls of lutra is about a bunch of otters and their connection to redwall is through martin the second who is the son of man mayo okay the long patrol is about the patrol of hares who operate out of uh Selimanstron. i really appreciate how like starting in 2001 brian jocks was just naming these whatever he wanted yeah <laughs> we got the tegarung tris Loamhedge, Rackety Tam, Hyrulane, Yolalia, Doom White, the Sable Queen, and the Rogue Crew. Yep. He was just doing whatever. Tragically, he perished while writing the Rogue Crew because he couldn't think of a wackier name. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> yeah. So, pretty much most of this is pretty episodic with not a lot of ties to Redwall particular. So, I think that's where. Like, maybe those could be in-between series from the ones with, like, actual through lines. That's like, you, you, you know you know how there's American Horror Story, and then they just started American Horror Stories, which instead of a whole season full of one contained thing, it's every episode is one contained thing? Yeah. So we've got American Redwall Story, and then American Redwall Stories. <laughs> I mean, some of these might not have enough meat on their bones to warrant a series, so maybe a couple of them could be short movies. Yeah. Honestly, I was I was looking again at the like the Netflix news and I'm surprised that they're making like a a series for Martin, but just a movie for Redwall. Like I feel like they both kind of warrant series. Yeah. Like they don't have to be particularly long, but I think there's enough meat in those books that you could justify, say five to ten episodes yeah and i am very specific about the whole 10 thing because i feel like with some netflix series they give too many episodes and they drag in the middle i'm looking at you netflix marvel (laughs) (laughs) honestly netflix marvel is dead we don't talk about netflix marvel anymore well (sighs) i'm gonna resurrect netflix marvel because here's the thing you could have cut out the middle three episodes and not have lost a whole bunch but you know what see the other thing they could have done is they could have made uh, sorry this is this is the red wall episode but just one thing one thing just one th- can yeah. i say one thing is that they easily yes. could have done monster of the, the week episodes in those and just flesh yeah. out the world a little bit more instead of basically piddling around it's like oh no the bad guy is making moves should we also make moves we should do something should we do something we should do something oh i'm british Anyways, speaking of the British, mice. Yes. Uh, I have no clue who would voice these actors. or Voice Voice actors. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) I have no idea who would be the voice actors for these characters because I know nothing about about the British voice acting scene. 
So in in the wake of Mario, there is like once again another big push that let voice actors voice characters who are vo- voice acted. Um, yes, but it it does seem like a lot of British actors like train as voice actors as well. I think it might be because of the smaller pool of actors just in general. That's probably true. That's probably why when I was looking at the cast of the Redwall TV show, I saw at least two Degrassi's, maybe more. Yeah. And when did this come out? 99-2002. They were still babies! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jakey Goldsby would have been like 10. <laughs> well, children are viable voice actors, so there. This is true. You just hand them the script and let them do whatever. Probably we will end up with a couple big name actors in this project. Can they be big name Canadian actors? <laughs> Why not? Can Janet Wright from Corner Gas reprise her role as Constance? Yes. <laughs> it's a fi- finally, I can go back to my Degrassi pool. I don't have to worry about them aging out of being teens because you're not teens anymore, you're mice. <laughs> and like one hair, and I think at some point there were like crows or pigeons or some kind of bird. Uh, the birds that usually align with Redwall are, uh, sparrows. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Can, can, we get, can we give the crows more rights? Yeah, because they shouldn't be as bad as they get portrayed as. Magpies are the bastards. Yeah. Always stealing shinies. <laughs> it's grackles. It's grackles, yes. Redwall is a great series for kids. It's like baby's first low magic fantasy like i can see the route from redwall to probably lord of the rings through the through the hobbit to eventually like brian sanderson and george r r martin books yeah also i feel like i mean this is probably obvious but there's like a i feel like there's a direct line of the like redwall to maybe a lower fantasy D games like earlier yeah. editions of D. yeah um and then via that, you go into hum- like stuff like Humblewood, like the hacks. Yeah. Mind you, th- okay, there, there are a variety of games these days where it's like, you're a cute little forest critter, but you can also stand on two legs and wield a sword and death to your enemies. Well, there's also another anthropomorphic mice in the Middle Ages series called the Mouse Guard, which oh, is that's right. a graphic novel series, and I think they created a role-playing game. They did, and they were also yeah. working on a movie, but then the movie got canceled because of various capitalism buyouts. Actually, yeah. I think it was the I think it was Disney buying Fox that got a can- the movie canceled. Damn. Let me let me check. Canceled film adaptation. Uh, yeah. Dis- when Disney acquired Fox, production was halted two weeks before. Oh, the project was halted two weeks before production was set to begin. After which it was placed in turnaround. Ball later confirmed on Twitter that production was officially canceled. Uh, and at the time, it had spent twenty million on pre-production. It was expected to have an overall budget of one hundred and seventy million. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, like... I wouldn't be surprised if there was an actor who was involved at some point who had a pay-to-play contract. So whether or not, like, anything happens or, like, they show up in the movie, they still get paid. Yeah, they they had had cast Thomas Brody Sangster, Andy Serkis, uh, Sonoya Mizuno, uh, Samson Keo, and Jack Whitehall, and Idris Elba was in consideration as well. Yeah, so probably one of those actors had a pay-to-play contract. I don't understand. I don't like that Disney bought Fox, but yeah. you probably would have made more money if you just let all the Fox projects continue to be developed instead of shuttering almost all of them. 
Mm-hmm. What do you what do you gain by this? I thought you wanted having five million IPs to make money off of. I don't know. Maybe it's the whole like, but they have to have our stamp on them, and this isn't Disney enough. It's mm. like you're adapting a graphic novel series that involves mice with swords doing violence. You have done this before. It's called the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> You've done this before, it's called Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry you can't resurrect Vincent Price to reprise his role as Radigan, which was one of his favorite roles. <laughs> but not everything is perfect. When Disney inevitably makes a live action Great Mouse Detective, who's going to be playing Radigan? Oh. Is it Chris Pratt? No, it, he, it should... he is a crisp rat. <laughs> no, I think by that point, Chris Pratt will have moved on to his uh, Christian film career. Uh, can he move on faster? <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Disney has to find him too embarrassing. <laughs> Chris Pratt stars in God's Not Dead 5. God's Not Dead, he's in space! <laughs> yeah... You know what? Redwall treated religion a lot better in that they barely acknowledged it at all beyond light magic, really. God helped us. Uh, God gave us the fortitude to create this Redwall Abbey, which is wonderful. It keeps it safe in the winter, and it has strong battlements so that we can, you know, unleash hellfire upon our enemies. <laughs> Nasty weasels. Okay, here's. Can we do one thing? Can we do one thing? Can we not uh, do animal jingoism? Yeah. Can, can, can they not be evil because they're rats and be evil because they're evil? Yeah, I prefer, like, just, it's just a harsh world and it creates harsh animals. Yes. There's nothing inherently bad about rats and weasels. I might not personally like rats all that much, but you know what? They're just bigger mice. Yeah, th- like, there's a difference between wild rats and tame rats, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to get all cuddly buddly with a sewer rat. No, no, there's um, there's a distinct difference between a sewer rat and a fancy rat. Mm-hmm. Now, snakes are chaotic evil, so there's yeah, okay, that. Yeah, and you know what, That that's fair, because like the whole thing it says that the role of monsters in the novels is played not by mythical creatures, but by real-world predators such as adder sharks and wolverines, and that makes sense. Those can be the nasty animals. Yeah, cripe, I want to say it was Mad Mayo, where like half of the party nearly dies from like a carp or a trout i remember in matameo there was a shitty lizard there was a frilled lizard that stole all the kids shit yep i don't know if he died i remembered one of the child characters did die but he was also a rat (laughs) that's a little more concerning yeah that's a little more concerning but also he was killed by his own side for betraying them because he was one of those characters who was just like shitty and was out for his own stuff yeah so like he can still be the same character but can he not be the only rat child yeah basically what we're saying is there should be more you know good rats yes some good rats some good foxes some bad hairs yeah insert a bad hair day joke here they even got an assist from a cat no not a cat an owl you know cats and owls famously misconstrued for each other because I want to say that there was a good in quotation marks cat. He did uh, help. Mostly out of self-interest. Because, you know, 
nicer. The, the, trust me, as a former cat owner, I have been the recipient of many a uh, rat butt. <laughs> okay, just on, on Wikipedia, it says that the common, quote-unquote, noble species include mice, otters, moles, hares, squirrels, hedgehogs, shrews, birds, voles, and badgers, while common vermin includes rats, foxes, weasels, ferrets, ravens, snakes, stoats, ermines, sables, wildcats, magpies, rooks, and crows. However, many other varieties of species make appearances. Uh, that, uh, on numerous occasions, it's mentioned that seals, whose language makes little sense to the other creatures. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Seals are just dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Twice in Matameo and Lomehedge, there is a creature, apparently half weasel and half ferret, called a weirat. Okay. And the rogue crew features a purportedly half-weasel, half-rat weirat as its principal villain. Amphibians, like toads and frogs, are depicted as lower creatures that live in more basic tribal systems. Mm? Mm. Not sure how I feel about that. Maybe they should just live in a different system. Yeah, like, again, like, that's that's one of the things that can happen when you, like, ascribe certain human personality traits to various creatures is that you mm -hmm. run the risk of saying oh these are the lesser creatures just like how there are lesser humans yeah it should just be more like because amphibians and reptiles have very different systems for survival they live in very different societies yeah but that they're not any lesser because uh, like i i like, i haven't read redwall mm -hmm. i own a bunch of the books but i haven't actually started reading through them yet yeah but just the way it's described it makes it sound like oh yes these are these are the the barbarian wild men yeah no it like the villains in mossflower are wildcats but like maybe they're bad because they are wannabe dictators or at least like this particular clan of wildcats but yeah this <laughs> to hammer it home we should have the the morality of the animal isn't determined by the species. Yeah. And neither is the intelligence, quote-unquote. Yeah. In fact, going off of that, we could probably up some of the themes for the kiddos out there. Yeah. Because, okay, this series does have a reputation for um, anyone can die. Because a lot of characters do die. Just to spoil Marn the Warrior, uh... The love interest gets it at the end. Rip. Yeah, and it messes Martin up for a long time. Like, in his TV tropes entry, he <laughs> gets um, the failure hero trope. It's actually kind of why I find Martin to be a very compelling character. So, he doesn't succeed all the time. In fact, he fails just as much as he succeeds. He's had it rough since he was a kid. When he's a young youngster, he gets his grandmother killed, which condemns him to many years of slavery. And then he gets the love of his life killed when they're trying to free themselves. And then in the sequel, he winds up becoming like a prisoner to the main villain. And the sword that he inherited from his father gets broken. It's thankfully reforged. But yeah, like he goes through a lot. And I think it could be a really good example for the kids of, you know, exploring both trauma and PTSD but, and grief, but also persisting in the face of adversity. Mm hmm. I think that's actually a fairly common thread. Like one of the things I like about the original adaptation was um, in Redwall, Matthias isn't given a lot of backstory for how he got there. In the TV show, though, it's shown that his sister Myrtle had carried him from their village that was attacked by Clooney the Scourge 
to Redwall before dying herself from exhaustion. Yay. And yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that actually could explain like why he gets attached to certain paternal and maternal characters and why he is very distraught when his mentor uh gets killed. Yeah. It's an interesting way to explore characters in a child-friendly sense, but also like treating the children as intelligent enough to pick up on these themes. Both pick up and, you know, discuss them in a way that they're going to understand at that point. I'm not saying children media doesn't do that, but because children media has become far more sophisticated in the past 20 years, but like... Yeah, I. it is a weird thing, like... It's it's you can have stuff that is clearly aimed for children, but there is so they're so much more aware of the uh, larger demographics that they hit that they do yeah. tend to go into those deeper things, and it does kind of blur the line a bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I feel sometimes it's not so much the themes are presented that indicate whether something is meant for children as the way they are discussed. Yeah, like if it's meant for an older audience, there is there is more assumed that you are you are aware of. Yeah, and I think with this series, I want it. I want the main focus to still be on probably the ten to twelve range. Yeah, or eight to twelve range. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looping this back to Thanksgiving. So the other thing that this series is famous for is food. Brian Jock has loving descriptions of food. <laughs> To the point where there is an official Redwall cookbook. And the the food seems really good. Honestly. And a lot of this is chalked up to Brian Jock having been a kid, like a little kid during World War II. So he experienced rationing and all that. And one of the reasons why he has so many descriptions of food in his books is because like he remembers going hungry. And it's kind of like, I don't want kids to go hungry like how I was hungry. And so with a uh, medium like puppetry, we can do some interesting thing with the food. This is true. We're probably not going to have like real food, but we could have like some really good stunt food. Yes. Well, and the fact that it's not real food means we can make it look like extra delectable. Oh, yes. Like, a mixture of probably, like, styrofoam and a whole bunch of other stuff that gets painted, plus, like, stuff like marzipan and uh, fondant. and It's, all. it's all fondant. <laughs> actually, the all the food you see on Red Bull was actually made by the chocolate guy. I honestly prefer marzipan, but okay. <laughs> Alright, because you don't go on Tumblr often enough, so you probably don't even know the chocolate guy. No. I am uh, team marzipan forever and a day. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had marzipan, but I'm getting more into baking, so maybe I will encounter it soon. Oh yeah, we're getting into the holiday season, so you're going to see a lot of marzipan. Yay. But yeah, like there's a long history of like marzipan sweets that get painted with food dye to look like fruits and all that sort of stuff. It's really neat. Um, so yeah, we could create like these really idealized versions of like all the meals that they have. And even in the adaptations, they go into loving detail about, like, what is all this food? Well, that probably would have been easy to make a cookbook, because I bet the recipes are already half there anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk about how Martin the Warrior's sword was forged out of a meteorite that landed in a volcano? Yeah. 
Because that is the most, like, high magic stuff in a low magic series. <laughs> also, this is an heirloom? Yeah, it's passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. This is, like... For the most part, Martin's sword is treated as a symbol, but, like, it's got a bit of magic probably in it. Because, again, this is forged from a meteor that landed in a volcano. We should almost do, like, a mini-sode or, like, one of those shadow puppet stories about, like, how the sword was originally forged. Because I feel yeah, like there's a story and a half right in there. Absolutely. Also, in Selimanstrom, uh, there is a ghost badger that stole a black stone from Gaussum. The... So when you say ghost badger, is that like a special beat of badger, or is the badger a ghost? The badger is implied to be a ghost. Okay, just checking. Yeah. There are ghostly encounters. There are people who can like predict things. There's some weird magic shit going on. And I want none of it explained. It it's it yeah. just is. It just be like that sometimes. Yeah. Also, I don't think this series takes place in our world. Just by the geography. No, that would make any sense. Yeah. We would have found the mouse abbeys by now. <laughs> there are no people. Just easy bitty abbeys. He was influenced by Lord of the Rings, The Wind in the Willows, Warriors, and Watership Down. Yeah, it tr it truly is like one half war. It's one half Wind of the Willows and one half Game of Thrones. Honestly, yeah, I would say Mossflower is probably one of the darker books because it involves like this whole fight for the main villain kills her father to become leader of like. A bandit clan. Also, again, also, there are anarchist shrews. Yes, I love the idea of anarchist shrews. I yeah. also just want to give a quick shout out to another character with an extremely metal name, Asmodeus Poison Teeth. Yes! <laughs> the snake! <laughs> he hypnotizes you. Oh, shit. We got cod. Yeah! Again, Brian Jocks was probably watching, or hell, might have read The Jungle Book, and it's like, you know what? I should have my own version of Ka. Also, whoever voiced him did, like, a pretty good, creepy voice for him, so. Uh, David Hemblin. Mm-hmm. Really good voice. He's also known for voicing Magneto in the X-Men animated series. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just have good villain voice. Yes. <laughs> um, the only other thing I can think of, from what I remember of watching the series, is... Okay, spoilers for the first Redwall book and show, but like there are clues that Martin Sword is hidden in the Abbey somewhere, and yeah. eventually they find it underneath one of the stairs, because they realize that like there's a set of stairs that have the letters R-E-D down it, um, and they realize that it's underneath one of those tiles because they're hollow. But if you watch the series from the start, every time a character runs up those stairs, you can hear it go dunk, 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 boing, dunk, 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 because like it, they already knew it was hollow. And I just yeah. like that when you watch from the beginning. And that's something we need to keep. That if anyone's ever running yes. up the stairs, you have to make sure you include the hollow noise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, the books are really good at the planning and payoff. That that means they're well written. <laughs> 
That's how books work, hopefully. (laughs) I mean, some books and stories do it better than others. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for Redwall. I'll let the spooky season start in earnest. Ghost Badgers! <laughs> I mean, Matthias hears Martin's voice going, I am that is! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matthias, did you know that you were named after a foreshadowy anagram? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the scene, the scene in the, the cartoon where they figured that out was very silly because yeah. they're just looking at the tapestry and it's like, this, this was his catchphrase, I am that is. And then like the love interest, she's sitting there like, oh, I like to make anagrams out of things. By the way, did you know that you can make the I am that is into the Matha- name Matthias? <gasps> That's your name! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the friar or whoever's like, my goodness, you're right, that is your name, Matthias. You must be the Messiah or some shit, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a mouse, I probably had a big beard, you know, like a nim. <laughs> Rip to Brian Jocks, wait, no, he probably did see Secrets of Nim. Do you think Brian Jocks liked the Secrets of Nim? Probably. <laughs> I guess Rip Brian Jocks, you would have loved Humblewood, made by the, uh, the uh, uh, what are they now? Hit Point Press. Hashtag non-spawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was Redwall. Uh... I think also it's a given that, like, even though we were talking about puppets, really, this is just how we would like the actual animated show to end up playing out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It It seems to be in pretty good hands. Like, Over the Garden Wall was really good, so... I'm sure it will be an interesting take on on Redwall, at the very least. Yeah. I mean, interesting is a weird term. I would say, I'm sh- I'm going to say, I'm sure it will be a faithful take. Yeah. With it, good production values. Yes. I say interesting as a catch-all for that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, sometimes it's a loaded term, you know? Yeah. Cats 2019 was an interesting take. <laughs> Cats 2019 shouldn't exist, but we got it. And thank heavens we saw it before they did the patch. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick McHale, if you're listening, release the butthole cut of Redwall. (laughs) Okay, well, I fucking killed Lindsay. While Lindsay regains her composure, let's get over to a friendship promo. Greetings. I am the modestly handsome obituary writer of this fetching town of Crestfall, Idaho, and this is Death by Dying. Death is exhausting. And so, after a long day of funeral attending, I had retired to my apartment to get some shut-eye. I loosened my Versace tie and changed into my Egyptian silk pajamas. Are you the detective in town? No, I'm the obituary writer. Really? Someone said you solve murder cases. Murder? I'm Charlotte, by the way. Forgive me, but I haven't gotten past the murder part. Charlotte, the friend I now have, is staying in the apartment above her Aunt Lillian's bookshop. She was my aunt. She was all I had growing up. I need to know why she's gone. Murder is the spice of life. I knew just who I had to see. The Angel of Death. We have become friends over the years. Careful. Death is ever present. 
Her pet, the button-eyed raven, moaned inconsolably as usual. Your friends are abandoning you, one by one. You write about death, O.W., but how much do you know about what it feels like to lose someone? The shadow in the dark woods is making its way into Crestfall. Listen to Death by Dying on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Okay. I'm good. Hey, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. Uh, And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at... Sparky Upstart, you can also find me on uh, Instagram, Sparky Upstart. You can also find this very podcast on uh, Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not a Fire Boot You First, and they're pronounced I am, that is. <laughs> um, you can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite way of cooking trout with various herbs you found in the forest. I thought you said the trout were sentient. They're barely sentient. They're like sharks, but for mice. Okay. Anyways, the email is also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. Our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. This podcast was recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Korean Soto, the Cinnaboyne, and Métis. And don't forget that if you would like to technically own this episode, not as an NFT, but just as your name on a spreadsheet, then please donate a minimum of $5 to the North Central Family Center, the link of which is in the description. So, Tanner. Lindsay. What spooky surprises you've got planned for me? We're we're gonna get creppy next week. Creppy, okay. Yep. First, I park my car. Then I fuck my car. <laughs> are we doing Christine? <laughs> we are, but wouldn't it be weird if we weren't? <laughs> Kachow. Okay. <laughs> no, we are doing Christine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just swan diving into Stephen King during his weird period <laughs> honestly it's, it was his most iconic period hey at least he remembers writing Christine <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> was he yet snorting cleaning products by this point or was it just cocaine <laughs> it was just cocaine I think it, it got to the cleaning products when he was like I am going to direct my movie <laughs> Oh no! Steven, no! <laughs> Coke's a hell of a drug, kids. <laughs> uh, anyways, next week, uh, cars. Not those ones. <laughs> but not if we were about you first. <laughs> Bye! <laughs>